Uh, the name of my uh, message today is Don't Be Offended with Jesus, It's His Birthday. You like that? That's pretty good. Don't be offended with Jesus, it's His birthday. Um, so, I wanted to tell you a story about being offended with Joel. Uh, yeah, to kind of start things off. So, have you ever been offended with anybody? Anybody in the room? Uh, offended with somebody's uh, mannerisms or uh, something they're doing, or I mean, I I suppose in this you know in this world it's even possible to get offended with somebody uh, uh, who is famous, right? We get offended with them. When we get offended with somebody, if we allow that offense to develop, then um, it kind of harms the relationship, right? Right? We start. Uh, shunning or distancing potentially or uh, putting limits on the relationship uh, and or seeking to control what part of them uh, is um, because because they're embarrassing us. Anybody ever embarrass you? Have you ever embarrassed anybody? That's really the question, right? Okay, so, so, um, so, Joel's name, uh, Joel's name was a little bit of a hardship, you know, for a while. And, um, of course, I was allowing her name to be a little bit of a hardship too, right? And so, uh, at one point, uh, we were developing a relationship with some pretty highfalutin people. And they were stumbling over her name. And so, them stumbling over her name, uh, it caused me to stumble a little bit over her name too. And so, therefore, without her permission, uh, I, I changed her name. That could be trouble right there, right? So, uh, so I didn't just change the way you said her name. A lot of people will do that. A lot of people will change the way they say her name. Because Joel, kind of like, you know, this morning we didn't sing the first Noel. We... You know, if we would have sang that, we would have sang the first Noel. So that's not too big of a stretch to change Joel into Joel, right? But people aren't going to get that because if they're biblical people and if you're, you know, hanging out with these highfalutin people, they aren't going to get that by looking at J-O-E-L because that still looks like the prophet in the Old Testament. So you have to tell them that or you have to give them more clues by actually changing the spelling. So that's what I thought I would do. So I changed the spelling. So, uh, so suddenly her name was J-O-E-L-L-E, Joel. So I don't know how I don't know how this happened, but it, not long into that transition, she saw that somewhere, and she's like, "What's this?" I'm like nothing. I don't. Know. What's what? What do you mean? You know, you have to act coy. You act really coy. Nothing, love. What do you mean, love? Right? And then maybe a time or two, they actually said that to her. You know, right? Nice. It's nice to have Joel in our midst and whatever. You know, I don't, I don't know how it came up. But anyway, nonetheless, um, she was suddenly offended with me. So then we get into, then we get into, kind of, you know, kind of the back story because, you know, the backstory of how she got her name, by the way, 
long before what's now popular is popular, we were thought to be pretty cool, right? In a PC world, if you got two guys on the checkbook, I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, so. I'm just messing with you. We had all sorts of trouble. We've had all sorts of trouble because no matter what, you, you know, you hand somebody a check, it's Dwayne and Joel. It's kind of like, well, okay, what's up with this? We got some funny business back at the house. So it's been challenging, and I have been called Joel so many times. I've been called Joel by many of you. So, yeah, but then they look at her, and they're like, no, Dwayne won't fit there, so what do we do? So it's just, it doesn't go well, this whole, anyway, so, so then we get into the backstory, and I think this was a, a hair earlier on in our marriage, and so, you know, so, and I knew the backstory, but, but being the gracious, patient, kind person that she is, she reminded me of the backstory, right, and she reminded me that Honey, I've actually tried to do that several times, and others have tried to do that, and it just never worked. It's never going to work to, for Joel to become Joel. And, and part of the backstory is that it's just, it's, it was God's destiny. Many of you that know this backstory, or some of you don't, uh, a month before she was born, her father, Joel Robertson, J-O-E-L, her father died in an airplane crash on the mission field in Guatemala. She was uh, eight months along in mom's womb at the time. And so the Lord had been telling her, though, that, you know, what is in your womb will be named, you know, after your husband. And so it didn't matter what. And in Guatemala, they didn't have that, you know, uh, fancy. This is uh, a couple years ago, maybe 29 years ago, something like that, honey. So... You know, they didn't have the, you know, they didn't have the fancy way to test if it was boy or girl. So, you know, so mom just knew whatever it was going to be, it was going to be named after dad. And so when, when a girl popped out, it just, that was it. So at least the middle name, she got a little, a little female slant on it. So it's Joel Paulette. I know, isn't Paulette really cool? Isn't that cool? You like that? So, uh, but no female slant on Joel, all right? So, and that, so that's the backstory. But, you know, the backstory be, beside that is that I think she was supposed to step into something uh, that her father walked in, and she was supposed to step into something in destiny and in God, and uh, she stepped into something uh, of endearment with her mother, and she stepped into something in the spirit realm. And there were all sorts of things woven together with this and tied together with the backstory. And so it is sometimes when we're offended with someone, uh, we maybe don't know the backstory. And so we maybe are shunning something uh, about them, but woven together with the thing that we're shunning is maybe some backstory that if we knew that backstory or if we knew that, hey, this is actually, and with her, this name is actually tied to her DNA. It's actually tied to who she is. It's actually tied to what she's destined to walk in. It's actually tied to, there's a lot of stuff happening here that God ordained, and it, it's not just the choosing of a name, but it's the passing of a mantle. And so some of that was, you know, woven into all of that. And so, of course, when uh, uh, our dear Joel reminded me of the backstory, I yielded. 
and uh, submitted. But then I had to eat some crow pie, right? So, you, you know, the rest of that story is that uh, I had to make corrections with the highfalutin people. Boy, was that ever embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go over to Luke. I want to go over to Luke, and I want to talk to you about uh, don't be offended with Jesus. It's his birthday. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about being offended with Jesus. And uh, we live in kind of this cultural time where maybe his DNA, maybe what he stands for, maybe who he is, uh, it's not hard actually to be offended with Jesus. And since there's a lot of offense with Jesus going around, it's not hard for us to consciously or subconsciously kind of buy into that or yield to that or or, or get in agreement. We, we get a little embarrassed maybe about some of the aspects of Jesus. Maybe we want to distance ourselves a little bit from some of the aspects of Jesus. And so uh, I, I want to encourage you this morning to not be offended in Jesus. Come on, everybody say, don't be offended in Jesus. I want to read out of, uh, I want to read out of the New American Standard, Luke uh, 7, I'm going to start at verse 11, and only at verse 11, just to give you part of the story, uh, and this is about Jesus. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped all. And they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out all over Judea and in the surrounding district. So all at once, this was like on Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Twitter. Everybody knew about what had happened, right? And he was famous for messing up funeral processions. And here was one of those instances. Going on, verse 18, the disciples of John reported to him about these things. And so summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? And at that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind, and he answered and said to them, Go and report to John, what you have seen and heard, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now, by the way, John's in prison when this is happening. So this, this news goes around about the dead guy being raised up, and then that news provokes two of his disciples, to show up where he's at in prison. And, of course, he can't really identify, uh, is this happening by that one that I baptized? 
And so he's asking, is this, is this happening of that one of whom I baptized? Are you that expected one? And there's some conjecture here, a little bit of conjecture about what was happening. Was, uh, was what was happening because there was a question, is this how the Messiah should be behaving? We don't know exactly how much relationship John had further on with Jesus after he was baptized. But now Jesus is walking out this, this, this walk of ministry, and this walk of ministry includes a lot of personal interaction with people. And so here's Jesus doing all of this personal interaction with Jesus, uh, with people, and, and blind are receiving sight, and, and the deaf are able to hear, and the dead are raised up, and all this stuff's going on, and yet, and yet there's this question coming. The question could have been for the benefit of John's disciples, uh, because some then begin to follow. But the question could have been also a question of, is this what the Messiah should be doing? So there were some motives mixed in here of which I want to talk on. And, and some of the motives that were mixed in here, we'll never know fully what those motives were. Some of the motives that were mixed in, we can only have conjecture about what those motives might have been. But here comes the question. And Jesus knew that there were odd motives in the question, not only from the crowds, not only from the disciples of John, the two that came, but maybe even just to solve some, some question in John's heart himself, he knows that there's some things happening in terms of wondering, is this the one? And so he ends this passage with this declaration, blessed are those who are not offended in me. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. This is, what, this is my DNA. This is what I'm called to. This is, this is the anointing that's on me. This is, this is what I care about. These are my works, and blessed are those. And uh, uh, the NIV, there's other translations uh, they say, blessed, is, blessed are those who do not stumble over me. The word offended, uh, the word offended by the word, in the Greek is the word scandalon. Uh, it, it, it refers to scandal, that which, that which is scandalous, that which is repulsive, right? That which is embarrassing, that which is, uh, that which we want to we be away from, that which is scandalous. That's the word in the Greek, scandalous. Scandal. And some of the translations correctly translate, not only blessed are those who are not offended in me, but those who don't stumble over me. Don't stumble over me. When you don't like something that somebody does, it tends to provide a bit of a stumbling block over the relationship. Yeah, I used to hang out with them. Yeah, we used to get together. Yeah, we used to chill. We used to, uh, but, you know, oh, we don't know. You know, we don't do that. You know, I don't hang out with them that much anymore. You found out something about them that became a stumbling block to the relationship. And so now there's a bit of a separation. There's a bit of a distance in the relationship. And yet what Jesus was doing was fulfilling the Scripture. He was fulfilling what was spoken of him in Isaiah 35. 
He was fulfilling what was spoken of him in Isaiah 61. Fact is, what he quotes here in Luke 7 is not that much different than what he quoted when he opened the scroll of Isaiah the first day of his ministry. He opens the scroll of Isaiah, and this is quoted out of Luke chapter 4, and he reads out of Isaiah 61, and he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He's sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion and give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. He's fulfilling this. And yet, and yet some, some are offended with Jesus because they want a more tame Jesus. And it's not just in that day, but it's in our day. Some are offended with Jesus because they want a more tame Jesus. Why does Jesus have to be so messy? We've got an amazing funeral procession going on. We've gathered up the whole community. We've spent $1,000 on flowers. We've got a lovely fellowship dinner waiting at the end of this where all the relatives will have Costco rolls and goodies, and he shows up and blows the whole thing. What in the world? Why does he have to be so messy? Why does he have to mess up every cultural norm, every social grace, all of the things that are just in keeping with it? And by the way, why would he do this anyway? I mean, maybe the guy needed to die. I mean, how much longer is he going to live now? He's always so messy. Some want a tame Jesus, and an untamed Jesus is offensive. They want a Jesus without the fanfare of the supernatural. They've offended, they're offended in Jesus, the miracle worker. They want a safe Jesus. Can't we just have a safe Jesus? They don't want his signs anymore. They don't want his wonders anymore. That's way too messy. It's unreasonable. It stretches faith into discomfort. So they labor to keep him in a box of comfort. Let's just keep Jesus in a box of comfort, more of a theoretical box. Let's rejoice that he did that, but let's not bring him here now. Can we just calm down a little bit? They, they labor to keep him in a box of reason, a box that causes no embarrassment, that needs no explanation, that doesn't ruin our, our plans. But that's not our Jesus. He's a supernatural Jesus. Supernatural Jesuses mess up things. They mess up our plans. And, and, and this is who he is. His signs and wonders, his strength is offensive also to some because it means he's superior. And if he's that superior, and this is part of what gripped their hearts when the dead man was raised. Oh, my word, who is on the scene? What are we going to do with this guy? His superiority causes some things to shift in the heart. And so let's not 
Let's not get all that superiority in operation here. That could be a little bit too much. Why does he insist, by the way, on being supernatural? Because our enemy, the enemy who came, he came to destroy, is a supernatural being, a spiritual being. One who's held us with cords of the spirit realm. One who's afflicted us out of the spirit realm. And this is what he's come to do. He's come to destroy the works of darkness. And we have to accept that as his mission. We have to accept that this is part of what he does. This is part of what, this is part of what he walks in. This is, this is part of when he shows up. This is a natural outcourse of him showing up, is defeating the works of darkness. 1 John 3.8 says, For this reason the Son of God appeared, it was to destroy the devil's works. Well, those who, those who want to be offended might reason that all sickness and disease is natural. But the, G, the, the ministry of Jesus is, is going to be marked by setting people free. It's going to be marked by raising up the dead. It's going to be marked by healing bodies. And it's going to be marked by, and it's going to be marked by this thing that he knows that all sickness and disease is not just natural, that there's a spiritual element to it. There's a spiritual element to it. And when he shows up on the scene, there's things that can happen that can't get accomplished just through natural methodology or natural means. So if he stopped his supernatural ministry, his deliverance would be quenched, and Satan, our enemy, would continue to flourish and oppress us. So there's great benefit. There's great blessing in recognizing this is, this is his nature. Maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's not normal. Maybe the name Joel is still kind of a masculine name. Maybe it's a little bit not so natural but if I'm going to buy into this person, I'm going to buy into all of the person. I'm going to embrace all of the person. I'm not going to be ashamed by any portion of the person. And so it is with Jesus. So it is with Jesus. If we're going to buy in, we want to buy into all of him. So if he's supernatural, so be it. If he shows up to dismiss demons, so be it. If he shows up to heal bodies, so be it. I'm going to buy into the fullness of him. He still is who he was, and I'm going to welcome that in my life. I'm going to welcome that wherever I go. I'm going to partner with that Jesus wherever I go. I'm not going to be embarrassed of that. I'm not going to shun that. I'm not going to hide from that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get all nervous and weird about that. This is who he is. This is who he is. Uncomfortable as it might seem sometimes. He's a funeral wrecker. Will we let him wreck our funerals? Will we let him wreck our funerals? 
going to happen more and more, by the way. I'll just warn you, it's going to happen more and more. See, part of, part of the restoration of the church is restoring the fullness of Jesus in the church. So there's going to be a generation that walks on water. Hopefully that won't be too embarrassing to you. There's going to be a generation that commonly raises the dead. Is that all right? Some are offended because they want a political Jesus. This is number two. I think this could have fit in so well with potentially John and John's disciples and, and the contemporaries of that day. And it could have been part of what Jesus was referring to when he said, blessed. In other words, they're going to taste of something uh, highly favored, enriched, uh, encouraged, tapping into something great. Blessed are those who will not be offended in me, who won't stumble in my ministry, who won't stumble in what I'm called to. I think that was what he was referring to a bunch because they in that day were looking for a political Jesus. I, I, I want to warn you, sometimes we're looking for a political Jesus. We're, uh, we're bugged every time we get a president that isn't a political Jesus. Oh, yeah, act all holy on me now and get quiet. You, 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 you know you're bugged about it, you know. And uh, so, so, you know, sometimes we want that too. In that day, that's what they wanted. They wanted this conventional Messiah. They wanted this Messiah to, to come in and, and sweep them off of their feet. And, and they were looking for a ruler, a leader, a king. He was supposed to be the son of David. He was supposed to restore the kingdom, right? So that's what they were looking for, and it was, it was cause for offense. It was cause to stumble. Maybe this is not the guy. It was a cause for disbelief, a cause to distance. Oh, I thought this was the guy. We were thinking this was the guy, but if this is, all he's, if this is what he's going to do, if this, is, this is his ministry? you got to be kidding me. Healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. I mean, I know... I know that's pretty good, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to save some folks some money down there at Costco. But, but, but I mean, if, but this is his ministry? I mean, I thought he was going to take over the nation. I thought at this time he was going to restore Jerusalem and Israel to prominence. I thought that this was our deliverer, but, but he's all focused on people. He's all focused on individuals. Come on now. Come on, come on, come on. It's ridiculous. What kind of a ruler is this? they were looking for. What are you doing, Jesus? What is your focus, Jesus? You ever get that attitude? <clears throat> why are you spending so much time with people? Why, why are you wasting all of your time with such a low focus Poor people, broken people, messed up people, hurt people, damaged people, lame people, weak people, dying people. Come on, come on, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. There's a whole kingdom to lead. Lift up your eyes. What are you doing? Kingdoms to displace and, and overtake, and, and you're out there healing the sick and raising the dead and healing the lame. See, some today, I think, are, are offended too. I, I think they want a political Jesus. Some, some are disappointed that he's not more active, not more obvious in overthrowing evil leaders. He's not taking over governments like they think he should. He's not 
Where, where in the world is Jesus anyway when evil is so prevalent and the proud are so bold in their unrighteousness? Well, you got you, you to take, take all of him or none of him, and his method is one heart at a time. His method is not to move into the White House except through those hearts who move into the White House. His method is one heart at a time. His method is one person at a time, one restoration at a time. He who is spiritual, Galatians 6, 1, he who is spiritual restores. His eye is to restore. He's, he's looking for the one. He's walking through an abject realm. John chapter 4, he's out hanging out with those who are rejected, and he stops at the well, and he starts conversing with somebody who's looked down upon, who is absolutely under the, the, the bias of discrimination and bigotry, and who, who is considered a dog. And he begins to minister to her. Why? That's his style. That's his method. That's his method. That's his method. His method is to care about the one. It's still his method today. If we have the heart of Jesus, it's, if we have the heart of Jesus, it, it's, not, it's not just setting our, our, our eye on leadership and taking over the nation and the White House and the kingdom. And, but it's, it's, it's having an eye for the person right beside us. It's caring about the person next door. It's, it's, it's ministering to the need that is so obvious. It's about ready to knock you over. It's so obvious. And yet you've, we, the heart of Jesus is to, is to bring our eyes maybe off of the lofty thing and into the thing that is right before us. This, this is the heart of Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. He's still focused on people. He's still weeping when people weep. He's still healing the sick, touching the lame, caring for the orphan. Come on. This is the Jesus we want to acknowledge, right? Oh, maybe that's a little embarrassing. You know, I, I, had to, I had to go back to the highfalutin people and retract my comments. Uh, actually, uh, actually uh, I kind of messed up. Uh, her name is Joel. What? Joel. Um, yeah, I kind of messed up. I apologize. Um, and, and there's no L-E on the end of it. What? Yeah, there's no L. Sometimes we have to kind of, uh, sometimes we kind of have to regroup, right? Right. Sometimes we have to regroup uh, 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 where, where, where our own uh, offense with Jesus has uh, separated us from people. We're more, oh, well, I, I'm... I, I, I don't have time for people. I'm more vision focused. I'm more, you know, I'm more big picture kind of a guy. You know, I'm rich. Well, what about the people perishing around you? See, for us to acknowledge Him now, we want to acknowledge the real Him. And, and if that means making some adjustments, then that's what we want to do, right? Because if we'll acknowledge him before men, this is Matthew 10, 32, if we'll acknowledge him before men, in other words, if we'll accept and not stumble over who he is with these that we walk with, 
then he'll acknowledge us before the Father. And if he acknowledges us before the Father, that opens up that channel of blessing. That opens up that, that the restriction, the, the kink, the, the stop, the, the, the bottleneck in the blessing of God is removed as we abide in him and we allow the fullness of him to abide in us. Come on now, lastly, someone a popular Jesus. Someone a popular Jesus. The, the, the exclusive Jesus is a little embarrassing. It's a little embarrassing. So it's definitely offensive. It's, it's, it's definitely a stumbling block. I mean, we, we don't want to be known as, as buying into that, you know. That, uh, that exclusive Jesus stuff. It's better to go with kind of a popular Jesus, more of a Hollywood Jesus, I think. That's what, that's, I think we want to go with more of a Hollywood Jesus. That's what I'm thinking. Are, are you with me? Uh, more, of a, more of a popular Jesus because it's exclusive Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. I mean, that is just absolute uh, ridiculous. That is absolute. That's just too far. That's just too far. That's really outside of my Universal Studio window, and I'm, I'm just really struggling with that right now. Okay, so that's just where I'm at, and I just want to tell you that my kind of my interpretation and translation of that is that 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 he is a good way for sure, and and I mean he is a good way, and. And and he he definitely spoke truth as many as many prophets have before him and, and many teachers. He was one in a succession of those who who bore the Christ, as did so many others. I mean, he, he had the light and he is a light that lights many, but then you know, of course, you know, there were so many after him. Uh you understand what I'm saying. Muhammad came right, you know, not long after him, and and he was he had the light of the Christ. And there's just so many that have the light of the Christ, and we, you know, we just need to. We just that's that's how I feel about things. Some want that popular Jesus. They, they, they don't want to be known as exclusive. They don't want to offend others, and so they choose to be offended in him. They choose to stumble over his exclusivity. Boy, I stumbled over that one too. They, they choose to stumble. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? And this is pretty popular, pretty popular right now. Come on. We're selling coexist bumper stickers right after service. They, they want Jesus in Christmas because, I mean, like he's everywhere. I mean, you know, he's in the rock that I've got under my bed. I mean, he's just in everywhere. You know, and, 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 and he, he's the spirit in my fir tree. I mean, you know, that's why I, I well, I got a noble fir and so. And they're they're fairly comfortable with Jesus in a manger and, and Jesus the universalist and Jesus, the teacher and the enlightened one, but that's not who he is. That, that's not who this Jesus is, church. Hello, somebody. We, we have to be real 
we, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we, we have to be careful in the environment that we're living in that we don't let this populist Jesus cause us to stumble and cause us to be offended in his exclusivity. He is exclusive. There is no other way to the Father but through Him. There is no other Messiah. There is no other perfect one. There is no other one that laid down His life. No other has raised from the dead. No other has been seen by 500 witnesses when they ascended. No other walked the earth for 40 days in a glorified body, walked through walls, and, and, and explained the kingdom of God to the disciples. No other. There's no other. There's, there's no other. No other has been attested by history. No other has history dated to their birth. No other. No other. There's no other. He is the exclusive Messiah, period. End of story. And I'm not saying that you've bought into universalism. I'm saying don't, don't shun his exclusivity. Don't, don't, don't be embarrassed. Blessed are those who will not be offended in me. Blessed are those who will bear the shame of, or bear the embarrassment, or bear the rejection, or bear the shunning or negativity of a Hollywood universalism Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when, uh, what I'm saying is that when that comes at you, uh, uh, bear upon it. You may not fit in everywhere. It, uh, uh, you're going to have a different voice. That's okay. Be okay with that. John 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, this is verse 1, John 10, but climbs up another way as a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. By the gate. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech, verse 6, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, New American, New International, I'm sorry. Therefore, Jesus said again, truly, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Come on, stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask the band to join us on the platform.
What kind of Messiah do you want? What kind of Messiah do you want? Kind of interesting that he is who he is. And you can't change who he is, but your stumbling, your disbelief, your offense with him and in him will harm you receiving from him. And so most generally, we only get to partake of the Messiah that we allow. Most generally, if we put restrictions on well, I don't want a healing Messiah, okay? Uh, you won't get one. Most generally, we get the Messiah that we allow. Years ago, um, we were having church one Sunday, and I apologized for Jesus. During worship, we opened the front for ministry, and people were getting ministered to, and it was like a Holy Spirit anointing morning that was just like super, super powerful. People were getting touched and ministered to, set free and healed, and it went on quite a while. Like generally, maybe praise and worship will run until the 35 time or the 40 time on the clock or something, you know, and, but this went on, and this went on, and this went on, and and uh, so, I don't know, maybe by the top of the hour, maybe an hour into it, we finally uh, brought all of this ministry to a close. And, uh, I mean, the atmosphere was just supercharged with the Holy Spirit. And it was like a revival. People had been touched and ministered to and just crazy, amazing things had happened. And, and uh, so, as I did the welcome and invited, you know, everyone to... Uh, eventually, after you shook hands and whatever, I invited everybody to be seated. I apologized for Jesus. And I was conscious of those in our midst that weren't familiar with this expression of Jesus, and I was embarrassed for him, and I was worried that maybe they would never come back. You know, church growth should be driven by... Uh, church growth should be driven by... Uh, it's so far out of my brain now, I can't even think of the phraseology, but I'm happy for that. Um, oh, seeker sensitivity. We should be seeker sensitive, and so, uh, you know, church growth should be driven by seeker sensitivity. Uh, we all know that. And so, uh, my embarrassment, in my embarrassment, uh, I started apologizing. I said, if you're, if you're here this morning for the first time, I said, I'm so sorry. And as I started to apologize for Jesus, I literally, I felt like the Holy Spirit was so grieved over what I was doing that I, that I almost lost it on the platform. But I was too proud to apologize for my apology. But it's like the anointing just kind of like lifted off of the room and lifted off of me. Because suddenly, I was offended with Jesus. I, I was embarrassed of Jesus. 
How stupid is that? It, he is the one that we want in our midst. He, he's the one we prepare for, we desire. We set a table that he'll come, and then, and then he came, and here I was embarrassed that he came. Somehow I made it through that message, and I, I know it was probably the driest, dumbest message on the planet. Somehow I made it through that message, and I got in my car, and the Holy Spirit, he's so gracious and kind. He just kind of settled on me. And I drove all the way from church, nine miles to the house, just kind of weeping. And I knew what I had done to the Lord, and I knew that I had broken his heart, and I knew that he was so sad with me. And I wept all the way home, and I apologized all the way home, and then I knew I needed to apologize to the church. And so the next Sunday, I had to apologize to the whole church. I just want to encourage you today. This season, Jesus is asking, would you take all of me? Would you take all of me? Would you take the parts you don't like, the parts you aren't comfortable with, the parts you don't understand, the parts that make you nervous, the parts that, that are still just like outside of, of your full understanding? Would you just take all of me? Would you, would you decide right now to not stumble over me and not be offended with me and, and just accept me and, and let me work this out in your heart? This is the heart of the Lord today. This is what he's saying. There might be a part of Jesus that you understand right now, and that part you may be open to, and that part you may desire, but then there might be some parts that, that show up, that come up, that you don't understand. He's asking, would you please not stumble over those parts? Would you please give me a chance? Would you please give me a chance? Let me explain it to you over time. Let me bring revelation to you. Let me help you through that. But please, give me a chance and take all of me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Holy Spirit, we just say yes to you. All across this room, we say yes to all of you. We say yes to the way you work, the way you love people, the way you prioritize individuals, the way you... The way you change lives, we say yes to your supernatural desire, your supernatural ministry to wreak havoc on darkness, sickness, and disease, and oppression. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes, we say yes, we say yes to the exclusivity that you bring, that it's not, it's not that you're one among many, that you are the one and only. We say yes to that, we say yes to that. We won't shun you. We're not going to be embarrassed of you. We're going, to, we're going to be proud of our Savior. We're going to be proud of our Jesus. We're going to be proud of Christmas. We're going to be proud of the Christ. We're going to be proud that you are supreme. We're going to make our boast in you. We're going to make our boast in the Lord. You're our Redeemer. You're our redemption. You are sufficient. You are wondrous. You are glorious. And we will live with a heart, with a voice, with a countenance that says so. We declare it today. Let's give him an ovation of thanks this morning. Jesus, we want all of you, Jesus, Jesus.